Go ahead. What's going on, everybody? <clears throat> this is Nate, and I'm sitting here with my buddy, Mike. And we're going to get started a new little podcast here. Talk about some current event issues going on in the world. And just try to get some discussion going uh, uh, with people to see your thoughts, ideas, and ways to maybe improve a few things. Uh, well, just to introduce myself real quickly, this is Michael Ware. Um, Christian, uh, husband, father. Um, I consider myself a bit of a warrior in the culture war, but uh, beyond <laughs> that, that's about it. So I think that's a reasonable place to start. So what do we have to talk about today? So a couple things we're going to talk about. Um, a couple of things have been the news the past few weeks. Start off on a kind of a sports-related note, since most of you that know me know uh, I dabble in some sports stuff a little bit. And the Ohio State situation was a pretty big deal the past few weeks. Kind of start off talking to that, then we'll get into another uh, topic. But starting off, what are your thoughts about Urban Meyer and the Ohio State <laughs> University? Well, I think it needs to be said that uh, while while you, I recognize you're all things sports, uh, I don't have that depth. Uh, that's not part of my uh, standard acumen. Uh, at the end of the day, I I like to try and apply what I've learned and what I continue to research um, properly with sports because they're such a uh, a big factor for us, especially here in America. I would say that on a world level, that could be true, especially things like soccer. So we have to be mindful of that. But uh, you may have to help me through some of the truly fine points in some of the history. All I really know is if, if I took a 40,000-foot flyover, I'd say Urban Meyer apparently was told that there was a problem with between uh, somebody who was on his staff and a significant other, uh, and uh, he didn't do anything about it. Is that a reasonable uh, way to assess the situation? Yeah, back when Urban was coaching at Florida, he knew that Zach Smith was doing things, right. getting in trouble with his wife and all that. And then back in 2015, there was another incident, and Urban went to Big Ten Media Days and lied. Now, according to Penn State, he didn't lie. They're saying he didn't lie. Even though he lied, they're calling it, we don't see uh, as a lie, which yeah. I'm not sure how they got to that conclusion. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> I mean, Urban just... He's 47-3 and in Big Ten play at Ohio State, yeah. and all that matters is winning games. And he is one of the best coaches, whether people like him or not. Yeah. He's one of the best coaches in college football. And when you're at a place like Ohio State, you contend for national titles, you can literally do whatever you want and get away with it. He lied to Gene Smith, the AD, a few years ago. Gene Smith wanted him to get rid of Zach Smith back in 2015. <laughs> And Urban withheld some of the facts from Gene Smith. I was going to say, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. So Zach is what a, uh, what kind of coach is he? He's a wide receivers coach and okay. does recruiting. But the, okay, so he's largely insignificant in the program. Yeah, the reason he's been with Urban all the time is because of who his grandfather is. Okay, his grandfather was a former coach, um, a legendary coach, uh, okay. Earl Bruce at a, all right, not uh, was a legendary coach. Now, now wait a minute though. I have heard, I have, when this whole thing came up and Zach Smith's uh, um, uh, name was bannered around, I had heard that he'd stepped in at one other time. So uh, I don't know if that's relevant to what we're talking about here, but this isn't the first time he's been in trouble, is it? No, he's been in trouble uh, back at Florida, and he got back uh, a few years ago. He's been in trouble multiple times. These has some other issues, uh, even coaching, like being late to meetings and doing other okay. things that weren't really on par with how they want the program to run. Right. But his grandfather was the guy that first gave Urban his coaching job, and his grandfather's a coaching legend. And Urban was just so loyal to this guy's grandfather that he could do whatever he wanted. And it wasn't until April <laughs> this year that the grandfather finally passed away. And then now, after this incident this summer, 
he got fired. If his grandfather's still alive, he's still, they may find a way to try to keep him on staff still. You know, it's but, kind of funny that what we're, I don't mean to, to chase too many rabbits here at once, but I was listening to a lecture, and I, I don't know if you and I have actually talked about this before. I think maybe we have. I was listening to a, a lecture by a Christian apologetics master. He's a, uh, his name's a, uh, uh, was it John, John, Dr. John Patrick. Anyway, um, he started his own college up in uh, Ottawa, Canada, I believe. Anyway, the short version is he was recorded uh, as saying, I think I watched it on YouTube, uh, that there is an order in good things. And and he made the in, he, he made the inference at first, and then he expounded upon it. And the short version is, he said, loyalty and trust. Would everybody agree that those are two good things? And everybody in the crowd said yes. He said, and if we had to choose the order in which was better than the other, what would everybody say? And then, and of course, there was a consensus among the people there that loyalty was above trust. And he's like, that's terrible for our culture. And the reason why is, um, if we put those things in order, trust should be above loyalty, or truth should be above loyalty, essentially. And the reason why is he's like, he said, if, if it comes down to having your job, and this is the exact analogy that he made, if it comes down to how you get your job, if it's not about truth and trust anymore, and it's about loyalty instead, then you get your job by who you know, not what you know. And he said, if you do that, and you look at societies or cultures that do that, they find themselves in ruin pretty quickly because they're loyal to one another up until the time when they don't want to be anymore, by the way. But uh, they move past trust and truth autonomously, and it gets them in all kinds of trouble. So what you just outlined, whether, whether we realize it or not, is this Zach Smith probably isn't the worst guy on the face of the earth. He probably isn't a really a total jackass, but some we know. Yeah. Okay, so what should he be doing? He should be uh, taking his lumps when he screws up. And Urban Meyer is, if he's got this loyalty to his granddad for whatever else, he's not doing the kid any favors by giving him a pass all the time. So instead of truth and trust, what are we doing? We're, we're choosing loyalty, and that makes bad associations and, and a bad decisions. And then Penn State overall, I mean, I don't know how they could have handled this any worse. They come out, they say, we're going to keep Urban, and they don't release immediately during the press conference <laughs> their findings, their evidence. They wait till afterwards because they know the evidence okay. in their um, press conference all points to, like, if you just read this and didn't know the outcome, you're going to say, well, he got fired because it shows this whole freaking thing of shady activities. I think I watched this but, on ESPN, yeah. Yeah, and then they get, just go, yeah, we're keeping him. He's going to be spending three games. And Urban gets up there like a mad little schoolboy, and he, he doesn't think he should be punished. So he reads his oh. statement that somebody probably wrote for him. I, I watched most, it. It was the most half-assed thing. Yeah. He didn't have any heart, soul, no, uh, no anima whatsoever. He just, I'm saying this because I have to. Yeah. And then he turned around and walked off. Yep. And then he didn't even acknowledge when they asked him about Courtney Smith, <laughs> about her. He completely doesn't even, like, he goes, I feel sorry for, this is just bad for everybody involved. And then finally, two days later, after pressure, he issues a statement. Not in any media setting. He goes on Twitter and says, I'm sorry for what happened to Courtney Smith and her kids. On Twitter. Yeah. I mean, he just he just thinks he's so above everything. And he's got a horrible history. I mean, back at Florida, Aaron Hernandez, if anybody remembers, NFL player who murdered at least two people. Yeah. And probably higher than that because there's a lot of other crimes they think yeah. he did. Even yep. back when he was playing at Florida, they think he, like, whacked a couple guys back there. And but Urban back then... He was kind of covering stuff up yeah. and helping make sure it went away. And they need to do a 30 for 30 about that Florida team because that was it would be. crazy times it would down be. there. That stuff's nutty. I, I know a little bit about that, or I shouldn't say I know. I read a little bit about that, and 
it's absolutely mind-boggling. I don't know how the hell you get away with stuff like that. Yeah. Winning games. Well, Win- I suppose so. Yeah. Because what we're really talking about here is is uh, uh, what you touched on first. What did you say, 47-3 and three in Big 40, Ten play? Yep, in Big Ten play and a national championship. Okay, so when people win and win that big, uh, do their fans uh, back them no matter what? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He could do whatever. He could walk out and take a dump on anything he wanted yeah. to, and people would find a way to justify it because he's their guy. I wonder, I wonder what the threshold is for them to, to actually turn the switch off. I mean, if Urban Meyer is basically able to turn a blind eye, or it gives that appearance anyway, uh, to Zach Smith's, uh, was it wife? Yeah. And st- still wife now? They're divorced. Okay. Yep. Okay, is there able to turn and she was and so what are we saying here that she was getting beat up pretty regular? Yeah, she got beat up a few times. The cops were called nine times. Okay. Okay, so this stuff's going on. At what point do do we stop becoming loyal to Urban Meyer? Does he have to rape somebody? I mean, does he have to kill somebody? I mean, I would think I know that those may sound extreme, but I just about would be willing to bet that uh, there would be still be one heck of a bunch of people that say he didn't do it, and even after he was convicted. Uh, he got a raw deal. Yeah. Crappy lawyer. You can't get justice in America. Yeah. So and, and to me, that boggles the mind. Yep. Well, even uh, with Penn State back in the day, Joe Paterno, I mean, he knew and he didn't report it. And Urban, you know, knew and he says he reported it, but he really didn't report it. Uh, if Joe Paterno was winning football games back then when he all this stuff was going out at Penn State, he would have kept his job. The problem was he wasn't winning football games anymore. He had one good season a couple years before that, but a lot of people were wanting him out because they just weren't having the success at Penn State they want to have where they compete for national titles. So that was really his downfall was not winning. If they were coming off a 13-0 Big Ten championship season and made the playoffs where they won or not, there would have been a lot more support by the school to keep him there because he was winning. But even the fans at Penn State, because they love Joe Pot, even yeah. after all this came out, I mean, people are showing up at his house. I mean, they rioted. A lot of people, I don't know if anybody remembers, but after they fired him that night, there were riots at Penn yeah. State because he got fired. People didn't want the statue taken down. They want the statue back up. I mean, it was like freaking, like, he's our guy. And the crazy thing is, Joe Pot had his legacy before this whole thing with Sandusky was like one of the best guys in college yes. football. The library at Penn State was named after him. That's yeah. the only one in country that yeah. has a college football coach named after it. Him and his wife gave so much money yeah. and all like that for the rest of the nation outside of Penn State. His legacy is just gone. And a few months later, he's, you know, he got fired and then he dies. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the uh, documentary uh, called Happy Valley? Uh uh-uh. uh That's worth your time. You should you should do that. It gives a perspective, and I'm, I can't say how well it's done uh, because I don't live out there. Um, and so to truly know, you'd probably need to be a fan. You'd have to live there in the community, grew up there, and to really have a, a deep perspective. <clears throat> but it kind of gives it through the vein of what's it look like from Sandusky's eyes a little bit? What's it look like from Joe Paw's family's uh, eyes? What's it look like as uh, a lifelong fan? What's it look like as alumni? And what's it look like uh, as a victim? Uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the young persons, and well, they're not all young anymore. But uh, and then also, what's it look like from a kid who just enrolled and he's a sophomore, you know? And what's he think about it? And it kind of gives all these perspectives, and and I won't ruin it because it really is a kind of a powerful documentary. So I don't know if you should call it a docudrama. I am careful about that. Documentaries almost aren't documentaries anymore. But uh, it was really powerful and looked to me like uh, looked to me like everybody lost. Yeah. I mean, it didn't appear to be any winners. 
and then you take that in contrast to what their football program looks like mm-hmm. now. I mean, I thought to myself at the time, like, well, man, I'll tell you what. I mean, you're going to have to look pretty long and far to see any anybody wearing any of those jerseys. <laughs> and it didn't take a year. Nope. I mean, they bounced right back, and it's like nothing ever happened. I, I don't even know how you explain that. Their sanctions, they first came out, people are calling for the death penalty. Go, let's give them the death penalty. Let's end yeah. Penn State football. So the NCAA comes out, and they're hard on They hammer pretty good, you know, with these sanctions at the big press conference. And they had the um, it was a Pepper Hamilton report came out and gave all this information. So they go, okay, we're going to punish you, do this to you. At the end of the day, later on, they came back and took away some of that punishment. So they did not take away as many scholarships and all this. The whole idea, their justification was, this happened before these kids were here. We don't want to punish them. USC, Southern California, suffered more penalties than Penn State did. And what they got convicted of out there by the NCAA was buying Reggie Bush's mom a house. And they suffered more penalty. Now that's wrong. Also, now is that is that in my in my history right? That's the Trojans. Yep. And that's where Pete Carroll was part of it. Yep. Left before the whole thing yep. blew up. Yep. So he was part of it. He just didn't happen to be there to get the yeah, egg. Yeah. He the got face. out and okay. went to the NFL before yeah, okay. uh, crap hit the fan on yeah, him. Okay. But it's just well, well, what we what we just said again was okay. If I'm Urban Meyer and I'm looking around, I would look at Joe Pa and what happened at Penn State, and I would say, man. Uh, if somebody's told me that something's going on or I see something, um, uh, I better be doing something. Do you remember the podcast that you posted from, uh, uh, I don't remember what gentleman and Steve Dace were talking about. Oh, about John Miller from Hawkeye Nation. Okay, and, they were, and there was a mention of being a mandatory reporter. And I asked my wife about that, and she said, well, to my knowledge, mandatory reporters are typically um, truly mandatory reporters if it involves youth. So that may not be the case if it involves an adult. And I said, well, I assume that they had kids, so I don't know. And so she said, well, you need to look into that. But even then, what I'm saying to you is, is if Urban Meyer knows that these things are going on or, or he has been told that they are and he doesn't do anything about it, don't you think that he asks himself, well, how'd this work out for Joe Pa and those guys? And yeah. then he looks around and say, looks like they weathered the storm just fine. Yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't appear that there are truly any consequences for the bad behavior. No. As long as you're winning games. I guess so, man. Yeah, if they were six and six, you know, last season, people probably would have felt a little bit different about them because, like, well, this is Ohio State, we should be better, and they've would been upset. But you know, he's won everywhere. He's he's with Bowling Green, he was successful. Utah is successful. Florida, he was successful. Ohio State's been successful. He's you know a winning coach. Yeah. Whether we you know, as a person, that's a different story. Yeah. As a football coach, he's very, very, very successful and yeah. very good. Interesting side though, from a local aspect, is yeah. I, uh, I love my Iowa State friends, but it was interesting because it had such a tie locally because Matt Campbell, Iowa State's coach, you know, is very, very successful getting things yeah. turned around at Iowa State. And he's from Ohio. He coached at Toledo out there. And, you know, he's a young coach, and a lot of teams want him. And I don't think necessarily he'll leave Iowa State for anybody, but I think there's only a few jobs he would leave Iowa State for. Yeah. And I think one of them in college football, probably the only college football job I think he would take is Ohio State if that became available. Not saying he'd be their top choice, but he'd be on their top three to five yeah. that they'd be looking to. And the other place I think he could eventually end up is maybe an NFL job with Cleveland or Cincinnati, and also in Ohio. Yeah. I think, you know, kind of the going home thing. Yeah. But with Iowa State of it, the thing you got to be careful is, you know, when this was first coming out, if it wasn't tied into Matt Campbell, how would everybody have felt about it? Cause that's, points some Iowa State fans were starting to say you know I hope he stays out there 
you know, and kind of starting to see a little bit of justification for, you know, maybe right. Urban didn't right. really know all this information. That's you know, right. he technically didn't, you know, find technicalities where people are looking at Penn State and stuff at Baylor and going, get his ass, get his ass. Right. But now it's a little different because, like, going, you know, we really don't want to lose our coach. So you're saying that if we're afraid of losing our coach who's breathed some life into a program that's had has uh, had a rocky go of it for it's historically how many years been now? one of the worst. 10 teams like not trying to pile on here to Iowa State but it's historically been one of the 10 worst football programs in the history okay. of football right so Iowa State and, then, and I wouldn't call Matt Campbell's success by sheer wins I think that he's building a culture from what I can see yeah. or what I can feel with my locals so what are we from Ames 30 miles yeah, away 30, 35 30 miles. miles okay so there's a culture around here that's happy about him how he treats these players how he treats people um uh, student body, everybody I, t- I talk to or hold their opinions of value are saying, hey, this is a decent cat. So I think that he's building a program on, on a lot of levels, and I think that that's foundationally a very good thing. And But if you're saying, and I think that I'm picking up what you're laying down, that some of us are starting to become a little morally flexible because we're afraid that our, our uh, architect of the program here might go somewhere else, and we say, well, you should get over urban a pass. I gotta tell you, um, that's terrible. Yeah, it's starting. To I, I don't know if that's pathetic or, or worse. I mean, that's absolutely awful. I think then once, because uh, I had conversations with a few people, and when you brought it up to them like that, and just kind of made them aware of it. You can almost see it in their face where they're going, yeah. "You know what? You're right on that." So, and then they, you know, would sit there and you know, kind of change their tone. But it's one of those things they just got so caught up in the moment where you tell them that it's not that they're bad people. If not, they sit there and kept piling on it, then it's questionable. But a lot of people, you kind of brought up to them, and they go, they just kind of sit back, and you just see they're going, yeah. you know what? You just, you're right. Because if this is Penn State, or if this is Baylor, or, you know, some other school, you know, and it doesn't impact my team, um, I, I feel differently. But Well, I've heard, I, and I assume some of these things are just said out of some sort of jest, or people are just being, you know, mildly crass. But I've heard things in this community or not in the community, but around this area said that, like, uh, uh, well, I wonder if she deserved it. I wonder what she said to, to him to get to make him that <laughs> mad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's okay to beat the crap out of a woman if somehow that justifies that, which justifies Urban Meyer not saying it, which justifies him saying, which leaves no opportunity for Matt Campbell to leave, which solidifies your program. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, yellow and red is is a big time, a good time deal on Saturdays. That's what this is going <laughs> to boil down to. And I'm like, sorry guys, I, I'm a sinner just like everybody else, but I don't think I'm that morally yeah. flexible. I can't do it. And the whole thing with the uh, River Meyer situation is, I don't think it's over yet. I think there's so much more going on because when he was at Big Ten Media Days and lied, the guy that asked him the question about, did you know back in 2015? And Urban being so arrogant goes, I don't know who would make up a story like that. Oh, I remember that. I remember just, you know, that. just belittles this reporter. <laughs> and this reporter, the guy asking this question is Brett McMurphy, the yeah. guy who releases the story the next day. Yeah. He's sitting there going, I'll give you a chance here, Urban, to see what you say. <laughs> and Urban doesn't realize this guy is sitting there going, yeah. you know what? I got a pretty good deck of cards. I got a pretty good uh, hand of cards right here. Let's see yeah. what you play, Urban, because I'm sitting pretty good. And Urban, you know. Yeah. belittles him so he comes out the next day and goes okay I'll release the story then every time Ohio State tried to discredit Courtney Smith a little bit yeah. um, her lawyer who I, is a guy, I think got some ties in with uh, Brett Murphy they released a little bit of information so Ohio State would say this an hour later boom 
Courtney Smith's camp would come out and say this. This keeps ha you know yeah. kept happening, happening. Now the thing I don't think is out of the woods yet is they have a court hearing on I think sometime in mid September. Okay. They have a court hearing. Courtney and Zach do. I'm wondering what's going to happen at that point. I'm wondering if that's why he got the three games Urban did. Because if you're saying he really did nothing that wrong, then why suspend him three games right. if he did nothing wrong? So I think they're using this three games as a possible way to try to hedge themselves right. because they're thinking it's a buffer. what could come out in this court case. Because if we let him coach first two games, then this comes out in this court case, then that's going to be really bad for us. So I think there's afraid of what Courtney might still have to release. Well, there's a couple factors there. I mean, they waited for so long as a university and as a body to do anything. Personally, I thought that was very telling. At first, I, the first few days in, I'm like, well, they're going to come back with something and they're probably going to lop this guy's head off for darn clothes and this is probably um, the appropriate thing to do. And oh, by the way, I really, really hope that this isn't a situation where an accusation's enough. I hope that they mine for what's true and this guy is in some sort of sacrificial lamb. So Because I, I know people who have had accusations levied and they didn't do anything uh, or they didn't do what they was accused and their lives are ruined. And I don't want that for people yeah. either. That's awful. So I was hoping that something happened. But you kind of, um, with news cycles are so quick, you kind of need to see swift justice because um, to keep flow, and I know this is a poor way to justify it, but to keep flow with what's going on, there was people kind of tend to forget about it. And then after it went a week or ten days, I'm like, these assholes are going to wait this thing out. <laughs> they are not going to give anybody information. They're going to wait as long as they can and kick the can down the road. And this fiery hot flame will dwindle down to where there's just a little bit of smoke. And uh, this my guy might actually get off. And then I talked to a couple friends of mine, uh, a couple of them on local radio, sports radio here. And one of them basically said, I think the guy's going to get off all but scot-free. If they were going to do anything, they probably would have done it by now. And I thought, oh, that can't, can't be the case. And it looks to me like they've levied this punishment, which is darn light. And so they can say, hey, we did something. We, we levied our punishment. We put it in place. And... Uh, I don't know anything about what happens in court. That's on you two guys. Yeah. It feels like that they've that this is all prescribed, and they're running their little playbook on this, just like they would on the field, and yeah. it's terrible. You imagine that this was, let's say, a, I mean, it's bad what happened, but it's a little bit different than that kind of world politics. Where imagine this was, he was like a politician running for like you know a major office somewhere, and you found out that. As soon as he found out this report was coming out, he went to this assistant on his team, like a younger guy, a student assistant or something, and went to him and goes, hey, how do you delete texts from your phone? They're more than a year old. Right. So that's the first thing he did was, you know, right. uh, delete all the stuff from the com communications he had with Zach from a year before, you know, previous, and his wife on there, because he claims that his wife never told him about this stuff, even though there was texts, you know, from his wife back and forth with Courtney, but apparently his wife, uh, he says, didn't tell me anything about it, which is... I find that hard to believe. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much pillow talk you've had in your life, but I'm telling you, some of the best conversations that my wife and I have, have ever had happen either, you know, literally or pillow talk and late in the evening, or sometimes way early in the morning if we're both up, or behind the windshield when we have somewhere to drive where you can, uh, you're not interrupted, you can do that kind of stuff. I find it hard to believe that Urban Meyer's wife knew that one of his coaches who has a history for being a real screw-up, was was beating the piss out of some gal, and and that and, and that she didn't mention it. It didn't ever come up in conversation. I find that very hard to believe. It's also interesting that Ohio State set a budget, and then they go, okay, we got 
we're gonna do this in two weeks and we got five hundred thousand dollars to spend on it they you know they kind of really had it planned yeah. out it was just interesting if they were really you know concerned about telling the truth it's hard to kind of put that budget on saying okay this is the most yeah. we can spend on this then you know we're tapped out especially it's not like they're hurting for money I mean, this program this football program Ohio State and Texas literally print money because of their sports right, yes. so 500,000 is a freaking uh, you know it's nothing the thing that could be interesting though is uh, some civil lawsuits because Ohio State's got the whole situation with the wrestlers you know yeah. saying stuff happened well, there could be some lawsuits coming out saying you know I don't know how it does with lawyers do all this stuff but they could use this to point at the athletic department saying look what happened with urban you did nothing really to him you know and trying to find this as ways to sue the yeah. um school i mean they could be open for hundreds of millions of dollars like michigan state's getting hammered right now with oh, yeah. uh, uh civil suits from <clears throat> and i don't know the depth of of uh i don't know the depth of what they'll end up writing checks for but i have to imagine it's a astronomical amount yeah. we're not talking about a little bit of money we're talking about millions and millions and millions oh yeah gonna yeah. be a lot yeah i mean you mentioned baylor earlier when a conversation about the the trouble that they're in and what they're looking like i mean that uh, at the end of the day i i start I, I had a lawyer friend of mine he's a pretty facetious guy usually and uh he's made the remark to me and he's not kidding anymore um he used to be he's not kidding anymore when he says there is no justice so what's courtney smith going to get out of this at the end of the day what's her kids going to get out of it well, she's gonna she's gonna have a black eye, and that's gonna heal, and that's probably about it. Yeah. I don't know. If she'll. I don't know if uh, somebody's gonna make a blessing, a little quotes in the air to her uh, through uh, uh, OSU. I don't know. But I mean, at the end of the day, these people are getting trampled, and I don't think we're keeping sight of what's going on here. And, and I'm not wishing for big giants or titans uh, uh, coaches and that kind of stuff to fall. I don't. I don't wish to see the big guy knocked off because of something as silly or terrible as envy that's not it but what i do wish is that these things that were wrong were made right as best they can be and that these people who have been hurt and and otherwise beguiled or wronged uh get a fair shake or a shot at it so if all this happens and urban meyer walks around with his head held high and who knows what's going to happen with zach he'll probably go in the lecture circuit or or be some personal trainer at some place and be a draw for somebody in ohio or before or wherever he's still yeah. famous he probably won't get hurt so what courtney's got a dislodged eye socket and then her kids are scarred for life and we all shrug our shoulders yeah that's wrong dude it's crazy college football i mean i love saturday's college football and i know a lot of people you know just really enjoy saturday's of the football and it's you know fun to watch but it's became such a big business and yeah. like john miller and steve days were talking about on the bigger 10 podcast you know john goes I, you know, because I love college football. Yeah. He goes, but boy, he goes, it's getting hard because you know, all these things that happened because it became so much about money. It's really not that innocent game. I mean, it's not been an innocent game for a while with the, you know, the money and, you know, everybody's paying players. Every school does it. If you think Iowa doesn't do it, you think Iowa State doesn't do it, you're being a little bit too much of a homer because it happens everywhere. I, I guarantee it happens at Iowa and Iowa State. But I tell you what's too bad about this thing overall, uh, just to give you a little perspective. Uh, I'm so unhappy with the NFL about what I've seen and and how they respond to to what's going on and and it's almost for me it's as much about how they respond to individual groups of players than it is what the individual players and the groups do. Um, if those are their actions or whatever else, whether they're guided well or misguided, that's one thing. But the response from the league and the commissioner, I mean, Goodell might as well change his name to Badell. Yeah. He's He's pathetic. I mean, he's the worst. And so 
uh, we're talking about I was a career Rams fan. I mean, from the time that I was a little kid, dude, I mean, from when I could pick out which T-shirt and underoos I wanted out of the Sears and Roebuck catalog with my mom for Christmas, that I would have been a Rams fan. I mean, even the time when I had to beg my dad to go pick up something so I could see Wendell Tyler's photograph, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I wasn't even to watch the games because they weren't on because the Rams never won then either. So I got to watch Eric Dickerson, and then I kind of followed the Colts a little bit because I followed him there, whatever else. And so, and then they leave, and then they come to St. Louis, and it was even better because it wasn't that far away. You know, if I pushed the pedal hard, I could be there in six hours in the stadium, you know, watching them. And so, and then they come out, hands up, don't shoot, and it pissed me off. And then they, they leave and go to L.A., and, that, and I'm like, you know what? And all this stuff happens, and I said, the heck with it. I'm not even, this is the first year I haven't been in a fantasy football league since I don't know, and at least one. And I just have no interest in it. So I'm thinking, okay, you know what? There's a ton of really good games on Saturday. I should pay attention more to college ball, and I should watch it more. Um, I don't know if I would be considered a big fan of anything other than MU, and, I'm, and I feel terrible about that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Missouri's so, had some issues. Yeah, no kidding. So, so, but so, so I'm, I'm leaving the NFL, or I should say it like this. I have left the NFL because I don't like the ethics I don't like the, the flexible morality. I don't like it. I don't want to be part of it, and I can't cheer for it because I don't care. And they certainly won't get any of my money. I'll speak with my checkbook. So all the three to $800 worth of merchandise that I would buy a year for $30 caps that were probably really worth 5 bucks, they're not getting any of it from me. So I wanted to go watch college ball. What are they doing? They're proving to me up front that I should skip it and find a different uh, 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 football uh, maybe arena football, or maybe skip it and find another sport. Yeah, because they're telling me up front that there it's money, it's the dollar that makes this work, not a player's aptitude or their desire, their willingness, their dreams, uh, shaping uh, young men and women into fantastic men and women. They're not doing this at the college level now. Uh, don't even get me started on academia. I mean, that's a joke. Oh yeah. Well, North Carolina basketball <clears throat> was literally making up classes, and guys were just, you know, right, getting fake things. And because they are also a big brand program in college sports, right, and they're coming out some national championships recently. Yep. They got a slap on the hand. You know who got punished for that? They like the women's soccer team or something like that. <laughs> ended up taking the fall for the academics. Yeah. I mean, the basketball team, yeah. which is their, you know, yeah. golden goose, got nothing. But they go, you know what? <clears throat> that darn women's soccer team, you know that loses money every year yeah we're gonna go, go after them <clears throat> that's like that's like if you have a problem with iowa state you're gonna go snag the uh uh i don't know the women's softball yeah they, they don't even have much of a club i don't even know if I don't, they, ever they have that. a team but i don't know anything okay, about it so yeah. you pick some obscure uh, uh uh club or whatever to blame it on that's just silly so yeah. i don't know man i really don't know if this is where you want to wrap up or not but i i'm truly disheartened with the whole thing it's it sucks and and we're not Urban Meyer's not getting what he should get, probably, and he probably never will. Be. I mean, he'll probably skate through this, and the only time he's going to atone for this is when he meets his maker. That's the other part about this. None of these people act like they're accountable. No. They're not accountable to their fans. They're not accountable to the university. They're not accountable to the students. Well, you're going to be accountable to somebody at some point. Yep. And you better have more to show for it <laughs> than, yeah, I knew Zach was a rape and pillaging. I shouldn't say that. I don't know anything about that. But I, I know that he, he, he was a, a pillaging uh, a guy and he was harmful to his family and the program. And I shrugged my shoulders. And, oh, by the way, I went a step beyond that and I covered for him. Yeah, and, but I did win multiple Big Ten titles and a few national championships. So does that count for anything? Well, I guess i got to <laughs> tell you, if God's an OSU fan, maybe he's got a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he has a rooting interest. I don't think he does. <laughs> 
Well, anyway, we'll transition on from uh, the sports world. The, so that's where I'm a little more familiar to the world of kind of involves the political side, which would you be a lot more familiar with those things. So everybody, especially here in Iowa, the whole world was actually involved with uh, paying attention to the case of the Molly Tibbetts thing, you know. And then it came out last week that she was killed by a man who was here illegally. So that brings up the whole immigration topic. And that, yeah. this is where you know a lot more than I know. I don't know if it's a, I don't have enough, I have a depth that's tremendous when it comes to immigration. I've considered some of those things, but what I saw form, actually what I believed would happen pretty quick, unfortunately, oh man, I, I'm not very happy to say I was right about this. I wanted all along of if the, um, the guys that are typically on my side of the issue would beat the uh, build a wall drum and it didn't take them an hour yeah and there were memes and and tweets and demotivational posters and silly silly stuff being said to that end and then i assumed that what would happen which it typically does in the especially in postmodern uh, progressive liberal mindsets is they would assert victim status somehow um, which when we when I, did, I didn't mention earlier, but I assume at some point Urban Meyer is either going to do that or will. And when he talked about, oh, I, I ha- I'm a little forgetful or whatever else, or that was said. Yeah, yeah that's asserting a, victim yeah, status. Yeah, it makes him forget. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah. And if and if it really does make you forget, and you're and you're not terribly good at details like, yeah, one of my assistant coaches beats the crap out of his wife often, uh, then uh, then those are things that I would say attribute to him probably not being a very good coach. Because if he can't remember stuff like that, I question whether he can remember plays. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, uh, but the you thing, know. he's also said he remembered every single play from the Michigan game a year or two ago. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, All right. Well, uh, apparently he has moments of clarity. But anyway, uh, so asserting victim status is going to be what would happen, and that's the first thing that happened. Oh, uh, you guys are racist. Uh, you're uh, the, uh, the illegals or the undocumented immigrants is what we're calling them now or whatever else among us are, are good heartfelt people and you're a racist and a bigot and so so now you have these two camps uh wall builders and you're a racist and you know what what the hell does that have to do with molly Tibbetts? yeah she's gone man her family does never get to hug her again her boyfriend never going to give her a good night kiss she's never going to have children she her life on this earth is gone it's over and so the best we can do is ball about walls and uh point a finger at somebody for being a bigot or racist either that or oh it was a republican who who hired the guy or who employed him so therefore uh that absolves me as a democrat of something i mean this is we are devolving into a bunch of junior high kids oh absolutely or below that i mean i remember in junior high thinking myself as a as a as a boy i'm like man these girls are vicious (laughs) <laughs> These girls are going for the throat. This is crazy, man. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, gee, guys, I hope I survive this shit and make it to high school. Well, I did, luckily, but it was bad. And so I'm watching this go on around me, and, and I think everybody's missing the point. Yeah. There's no, like, discussion anymore. It's either you agree with me or you're a complete moron, you're stupid, you don't see anything. It's so much like, right. nobody wants to talk anymore, like, going, okay, like, what are solutions, what are ways to, you know... Uh, you know, handle these things or, you know, prevent, you know, things, make things, you know, better, just yeah. do things, no matter the topic, whether it's this topic or any, especially the political topic, it's just so much, like, if you don't agree with me, like, I got some of my friends who are extremely liberal, and after Trump won, I wasn't even, like, a Trump backer, right. and they were sitting there going, 
No, I was trying to sit. They're saying every single person that voted Trump is racist. Every racist. Every single person voting racist. I go, right. no, that's not why everybody voted for him. Right. I go, I know some guys that voted for him because, you know, they were worried about, uh, you know, things with the inheritance tax because, you know, maybe it involves a lot of farmland and they're worried about having to, you know, right. pay for their farm again based upon that. And, you know, Hillary, they weren't sure how she felt about that. And they were afraid they go, this could, you know, maybe cost me my farm that's been in generations of farming here and that's why they vote or people may you know different reasons you know for that but it wasn't just this clear-cut you know yes or no you vote for him because you hate minorities and it was just you couldn't tell people any different it was like nope and if you don't agree with me you hate minorities have you have you noticed how often and and i need to sit down with people like my dad uh, uh grand folks i probably need to actually spend some time Maybe go up to one of the old bars or something and listen to some of the old boys. You got to be careful what you get there too, by the way. But and ask them if it's always been like this through through time and through culture. But we seem to paint with universal broad brushstrokes. Um, but when I say broad, I'm saying broad for our purposes, so they're otherwise narrow. So so we we make this we make this brush, and we say if you're not this, then you obviously are wrong, and not just a little bit of wrong you're you know you're a heathen wrong yeah and and i just I, that's very hard for me to grasp that mindset i mean i had a lady uh super lady really nice gal was having trouble with uh um the mco the managed care option with some of iowa's health care and she was having a heck of a time uh dealing with some stuff that was thrust upon her really nice lady hard worker uh but man she was having she was not getting what she deserved she was not getting what she needed things were not going well so we had a we had visited about it and because she didn't like the new system that was put in place it made it very easy for her whether she would admit it or not to kind of fall on the democrat side of that argument if there if there are only two sides and and she said well this this and that whatever else and i said listen i said there are some fundamental problems here that we have skipped past and i don't think that they're going to help you and i today and they're probably not going to help you and i tomorrow but it's important that we understand them she says like what i don't know what you mean and i said universal health care think about that break that down the first word is the most important not the health care part health and care are important words universal is the problem we are putting a universal system in place we're writing words on a piece of paper to say how this is going to be done for everyone everywhere but you're not universal you're individual your needs are not the same as mine your son's needs are not the same as mine neither are your husband's so what you need from in terms of your health care is different for every single one of us. The thresholds that we should have to adhere to in order to be worthy of service or whatever else are different for each one of us. This can never work. Or either that or it should be said at a minimum, if there truly is universal health care and everybody agrees that we're all individuals, those things being of, of diametric opposition and opposing one another we can at least agree this will never work well. It cannot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so we, so what we do is we see on Facebook, we see on Twitter, which social media doesn't make our culture devolve, but it's a catalyst to allow us to get there at a much more rapid rate. So, so like you said, uh, this is my opinion. Uh, F y'all if you don't like it. Get off my Facebook wall. Uh, that's what that's what people say on Facebook. Well, they don't even have to say that on Twitter because that's what Twitter is. Yeah. Twitter is what I would call drive-by social media. You throw your opinion out there or jab somebody, and that's all it is. It devolves to what guys do uh, in the locker room or a sports bar. Hey, you old so-and-so, you know, 
you, you reach over and you thump him in the nuts. Yeah. You know, just tag him in the nuts. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, you know, and it's funny. And you gave him a little bit of pain and you go about your business. Well, that's what Twitter is, except these people aren't doing it in jest. They're thumping somebody in the nuts and then they're going about their business or they want to spar with them. Uh, ask yourself how that's ever going to work. Yeah. There's What value is there in that? Yeah. And the whole thing after the last week, I mean, it was so much of people are saying the wall has to be built tomorrow. We have to have a wall tomorrow. Yeah. But I mean, is simply building a wall, is that going to no. impact immigration? Does yes. change it? Yes, it will. But what the problem with this is, is a good number of people have no idea what a wall will or won't do or why. We've never even asked those questions. Uh, my dad picked up a hitchhiker, um, not because he's in the habit of that, but because uh, the sheriff's office called and said, we've got a gentleman here. We know that you and your wife have helped transients in the past. Which could you could you look in on this guy? And he was a, he was a uh, um, retired vet, had traveled um, to Minnesota from extreme southern Texas, I think is where, or southern Mexico, I don't remember which, and to see his friend buried. And he said, instead of taking the bus back, and I had money for a bus, I decided I'd hitch. I don't have anything particular I need to do. Um, the guy's middle 40s or something like that. So dad picked him up, uh, gave him a ride over to the next town where there was uh, suitable accommodations, and uh, said, oh, you know what? I'm going to get an ice cream cone at McDonald's. Let's, let's break bread if you've got a few minutes. The guy said, super. He was real thankful. And he told dad where he lived. He says, I live about six miles north of the border. Uh, I have a small place that I built myself on top of a bluff overlooking this stuff. And he said, uh, what you have, I see all day long. He says, my mission now is I help people that come across just not to help them, to encourage them to send more people, because often that's what happens, but I help them survive because a lot of them don't even have enough water to make it a very short distance. And he said, so we work with, work with local churches or whatever else. And he said, building a wall makes a big difference. And the reason why he says it makes a difference is so that it, act, it shows a visual deterrent. Many of these people who are, aren't from Mexico, they're yeah. from Southern America, other places. This just happens to be logistically the way to get through. So they, and they encounter all kinds of horrific things, especially the women, as you can imagine, before they even make it to, the, to cross the river. And they don't know that it's wrong. They don't know that they're not welcome or, or not to be welcomed. They don't know that what they're doing is going to be frowned upon by a great many people. And oh, by the way, it breaks the laws of the place they want to go. They honestly don't know that. And so his contention is if you put up a wall, at least you'll be saying, we're not admitting people willingly. And that should do something. Because he said the people who actually know what's going on are few and far in between out of the handful that come across. Either that they've been here before or have family they communicate back. So I agree a wall building is a good idea. Um, everybody marvels at the Great Wall of China. Yeah. And then we sit around saying we can't put one on our border, which is admittedly leaking. Yeah. So I think that it's a good thing. Uh, I'm not sure it's my highest of priority right now with our country, that's all. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So the other thing that I've seen a lot of my friends say is, if that wall would have been built, Molly Tibbetts wouldn't be dead. Well, that's not a true statement. Yeah, correct. You can't say that. You can say that if that wall, if, 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 if Christian Rivera had not been here, then Molly Tibbetts would not died in his hands. That is a true statement. We can say that. But that doesn't mean that she wouldn't have died any other way or some other, the million other paths in life that weren't taken. We don't know that. So we don't even get into a discussion on transcendence and how that works. But basically what it boils down to is a million things could have happened to Molly Tibbetts. We don't know because those were roads not taken. What we also shouldn't say is if uh, if illegal immigrants weren't here, then that somehow assume that crime wouldn't happen. 
because that's kind of implied by saying what a lot of people on my side of the argument say, and that's not a true statement either. Uh, so does that mean if we put up a wall and there aren't any illegal aliens, uh, you can walk around in your bathing suit all day that nobody's ever going to have the urge to take you and do awful things? No. You think you'll never get robbed or mugged or your house will never get broken into? Somebody won't steal your identity? That's preposterous. So again, we're making these universal wide brush strokes and they're just a waste of our time. They don't say anything. There's no validity to that. It's crap. And some of the people that are coming up, I mean, yeah, there are definitely, you know, some sketchy people bringing drugs, stuff coming across. But yeah. a lot of the people are coming up because their life, you know, wherever they're coming from is so bad, just so horrible. Yeah. And like you said, they don't know there's a law up here about that, yeah. you know, that they're not supposed to. All they're thinking is, this sucks for me and my family. Or this sucks for me. I gotta get somewhere better, you know. So they're coming. It's where if uh, anybody up here, you know, things were really bad, you'd do whatever you could to improve the quality of life for right. your family. So that's a, you know, the majority of the people are doing that. Just come here. Like you said, they do not know that it's illegal to come across. All they and if they do know, they probably don't care because my life's so bad down here where my family could die. We have nothing, you know. But we're gonna go up to you know try to get to America where we at least have a fighting chance. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're so you're making the analogy when you back a dog in the corner, got nothing left to lose, then then they go all out because they've got nothing. Yeah. Uh, I I'm making the assumption that you're right about that as it pertains to a lot of people who who come north. But I don't know that to be certain. I've never sat down and and asked. I haven't talked with a bunch of people that that have made that trek and the circumstances which they were motivated to do it. So I'm assuming you're right, but I really don't want to do that because I think it would be better for me to ask. Yeah. Oh, and we don't live that far from a place that actually has a high congregation of them. I mean, uh, Marshalltown has got a high number of illegal aliens, a pretty high number. Uh, one of the chief reasons I don't go there. Uh, I don't. I, I mean, I don't let my wife go there, and I certainly wouldn't take my kids there unless it was daytime. I can assure you that the sun doesn't darken our vehicle in Marshalltown. No. We're gone long before then. So, anyway. I don't know. So, so you've got, again, you've got the Republican, if you want to call it that, or conservative part of that argument. And then the other half of this deal is, is or the, I shouldn't say the other half, but the other portion of what I see often are the, like you said, the you're a racist, you're a bigot, you, uh, you, you hate people that aren't like you, whatever else it is. And, I mean, that's just idiotic. Okay. That's I reject that on sheer premise. That's just stupid. That's not true at all. And whether it's you know people coming up across the border from Mexico from countries, or you know people coming you know from uh, you know overseas, yeah. And the, the whole idea where people are saying, just let everybody in. You know, America's always been this you know melting pot. Let everybody in. Well, you got to think about the unintended consequences. If you just say, let's bring every single person that wants to come to America to America, it's going to have some impact because you got all these extra people coming in. So. That's going to have financial impact on all mm -hmm. kinds of different things. And plus, it's going to impact society because uh, you'll see these more special people coming from uh, overseas. They tend to go to a certain area, you know, in a city, and they congregate there. Yeah. And they want their culture, you know, to be the right. culture for there. And it makes it harder because you're coming here and you expect everybody to then take in your culture. The culture you bring with you, you want people to, you know, take that in. But you just can't bring in, like, millions no. of people. I mean, there's a tipping point of, like, going, if you just said... Okay, the next month, let's bring everybody in that wants to come here. I mean, it would be so much chaos because people wouldn't know, you know, what to do. Yeah. I mean, on you're you're describing you're describing multiculturalism, and it can never work. 
is multiculturalism is just as dumb as it is stupid. And I know that a lot of people are going to be butthurt about me saying something like that, but I don't think they've actually thought through it. it. I was told a story once, and this is not my story, but it's somebody else's that I can tell. Is it okay if yeah. I... Uh, this gentleman basically, and, and he made the same statement to me. He's like, do you believe in old multiculturalism? I'm like, well, no. I said, in the, in the sense that our country was founded when people use quotes in the air, melting pot, um, we, we built a country based on all these different things, but there were core ideologies that were part of it in order to make it work. So people were from here, people from there, whatever else, and we put a few of these things together. But there was an American continuum, a thread that was continuous through there in which we built the country. And then it, was, and then it wasn't assumed, it was said out loud, you must assimilate to the culture that we have now built if you intend to come and be here. Well, we've moved away from that now. So if you want to call that multiculturalism, which I don't really don't think it was, there were strict definitions of how that was going to work, okay? Now fast forward to today. So this, so this gentleman and I were talking, he's like, listen, he's like, I have been on mission trips in Africa. Um, he said, I have been in emergency rooms and, and ORs where I have helped children um, that were in dire need. And he said, I'll give you an example of why no multiculturalism can ever work. And I said, great, I want to hear it. He said that there was a... Uh, a little girl that came in, he wouldn't tell me the country, he didn't even want to talk about that because I asked and he said, it's not pertinent. I said, okay. And he said, this girl comes in on crutches or the, the, the mom and dad are carrying her in. She's in pretty lousy shape. It's obvious that she's got septicemia, she, her body's toxic and she's in really bad shape. And for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a break or whatever happened to around her, around her, the bottom of her leg, but it was in really bad shape. Her knee joint was completely deteriorated apparently. Uh, it had she had infection in her knee and she was going to die and so they said uh, uh, the, the the church will cover the cost of the uh, the church will cover the cost of the the medicine and the surgery needed today I can have the OR ready in about 20 minutes I'll go in and then I'll come back and get you he turns around and comes back in 20 minutes guess what they were gone they took the little girl home to die and so uh, they were many patients that were coming in and they went about their business and so, you know, we're talking about a Christian man in a, in a culture where uh, there's Muslim, a Christian, a few other things mixed in, but there's a little bit of this and that. And he said to one of the nurses, may I ask you about something that I experienced today? She said, yes. And he said, the little girl uh, that had the, that was septic and uh, whatever else, and we needed to amputate her leg below the knee. Um, why, why didn't they do that? Oh, well, they, I'm sure they just took her home to die. Well, why is that? Well, she has a life not worth living. And he said, okay, well, can I ask you another question? Sure. If that was a little boy, would they have, would they have uh, amputated and put him on crutches? Oh, without a doubt. Huh. And, and he said, okay, why is that? And, and she went on to explain that the value of little girls and little boys are different there. The little girls in that culture are actually work the fields. Uh, they uh, make the meals. Uh, and they're expected to run the household. And so if, if with one leg, she wouldn't be able to work the fields, uh, uh, get things ready for the, for the men and whatever else and do that kind of stuff, uh, and she would consume space without doing what the women were, were obligated or assumed that they would do. And by virtue of that, then uh, if you want to use the word virtue, they assume that her life isn't worth living, so they took her home to die a horrible death. But if she had been a boy, they'd have done it. They would have saved, they would have saved the boy's life. And so what you have to do in terms of multiculturalism is, excuse me, multiculturalism, you have to say to that yourself at that point, Nate, that that, uh, that that culture is as good as yours and you understand it. 
or at a minimum, you have to say, your culture is as good as mine, uh, my culture is as good as yours. That's what multiculturalism is. And that means that you have to adopt, at least uh, tacitly, that the value of little boys and little girls' lives over there uh, is okay with you. Do you do that? No, I, I, it should be equal. Right. I mean, Can yeah. you do that? You'd have to. I mean, did... No, I'm saying can you adopt that view then? Oh, adopt that view? Boy. No. no, I don't think it's happen. No, because people are coming no. over. They're not gonna. If you've got that so generate, it take. Right. If you came over, it would take generations and generations to possibly. I know. Get that switched right. over. It's not gonna be like you come over and on a Monday and Tuesday you say, you know what? I've thrown out my old beliefs and I'm on right. board with this. So Nate couldn't say uh, the value of little boys and little girls in your culture being uh, oh, one has value and one doesn't. I could eventually. I can eventually get there. You can't say yes to that, can no. you? I can't either. So, so not only is multiculturalism wrong in terms of each one of ours is different, they shouldn't be mixed because that's inherently dumb. Uh, but beyond that, when we say we're multicultural, multicultural, we sit around like a bunch of intellectuals and, and say, well, we know these things and we've thought them through and we're okay with it. You don't know anything about that culture in Africa or else any more than I do. And, and so we're going to say as multiculturalists that, that we see the value in that or we know about it and we accept it. No, we're, we're lying. We don't know anything about that culture. But we're just saying, well, I don't really give a rip about it. It's okay. You do what you got to do, and we'll, I'll do what i got to do, and it's all going to be fine. That's asinine. Yeah. That can never work. And then these people can't figure out why uh, when, when uh, somebody wants to truly practice Sharia law uh, in Dearborn, Michigan, and they start cutting people's heads off and throwing acid on the face of women up there, like, how does this happen? Well, that comes from a different culture, from a different place. Uh, and you said that it's just as good as ours. Come on in and do your thing, and it's all going to be okay. Well, it's not. No. That doesn't mean that ours is better. You have to be careful about that. Because uh, the, another analogy that this guy went on to make, because I said that. I said, so all cultural superior? He said, no, I'm not at all. He said, uh, uh, we actually have working poor. He said, there are people who are in America right now that live under a bridge that have a social security number and get up, and they go to work. And they put in their 40 or beyond usually more in that kind of yeah. situation and they get their table scraps and they go home and home is under a bridge as you and i drive a ninety thousand dollar car over the over the freeway he's like that's morally wrong he says that's repugnant he said we ought to be ashamed of ourselves when we think of it like that and he's not wrong about that yeah. so this isn't an issue of that people would put on somebody like you or i to where we think that we're superior or something like that we're just saying that these two cultures are not the same and because we're in them we can't honestly give them all proper weight. It's just not going to work. So, so does, there's a reason that you're supposed to, or it's inherently wise, to assimilate to the culture that's here uh, and all come in for the big win. And if that's not for you, okay, fine. Find a different one. I don't think it's any more complex than that. So, and we've strayed probably a great deal from what the core of the issue for me is with Molly Tibbetts and her loss is we're talking about wall building and, and bigotry. Well, you think that Molly Tibbetts gives a shit about that right now? You think if she's staring down at us, she, those these are the conversations she, she her her life having been forfeited, she, that she's glad that we're having. I find it very hard to believe that that would be the case. I don't know. Maybe someday I'll get a chance to talk with her, and maybe we'll know. But right now, I'm telling you, man, I, it's very hard for me to believe that that's what she she thinks is honoring her having perished. I don't think that you you make sense of mortality like that. If we're not asking ourselves things like, should we be situationally aware? 
should we be looking around us and and doing proper risk assessment on where we go and what we do should we have some self-defense you know should we have an idea should we have some basic repairness i mean you got a spare tire in your, spare tire in your car right yeah what for i guess i get a flat right okay and uh um maybe have a fire extinguisher or a, a fire alarm in your house yep why I don't want to burn up. <laughs> right. So so we're talking about preparedness, that's old hat that we know is assumed you have to have those things because they'll spare your life or you know you may need them someday. I think we should be talking about stuff like that. Uh, I think that those are more important. The other part about this is, and I haven't heard anybody talk about it, and I don't know if this Christian Rivera's Facebook page is still up, but when he was he was uh, put in the news, I went and looked at his Facebook page. It is absolutely full. His friends list is full. Uh, I would call it 18 to 20-something uh, Latino women with their tits pushed clear out of the top of their turtleneck. And I mean full of them. I mean like, uh, I don't know, at a first glance, um, this isn't scientific and I don't have a, a percentages or a sample size I can give you, but maybe uh, two-thirds if not three-fifths somewhere in there fall in that category. I seriously doubt he knows all those women. Yeah. This is probably a situation where he saw somebody pretty, friended him, uh, and they said yes or whatever else. So that gives me a little bit of an indicator, and I know that this is a stretch, man. This is probably a big stretch. But he might have been one of these, these guys that uh, might have been a little sexually frustrated. That might not be a stretch. It, it could be. But let's just say for a minute that I'm right about that. He sees this young woman jogging, and he's got these urges. And he can't keep them in check or doesn't. And so he propositions her. Um, she says no. Then she says no, I'm going to call a cop forcefully, whatever else. We don't know that. That's all that he told the police, and that's all they divulged. So that may or may not have been the content of the conversation. I, yeah. I suppose Molly and him know, and that's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that happens. And so what happens there? We're talking about an over-sexualized culture that influences us to the point where we can't say no. Go listen to the, the uh, conversations that all these people and these psychiatrists and psychologists have had with Ted Bundy. He started watching porn, and then he watched hardcore porn. And he just graduated the next thing, and he went up and up and up because it was never enough. Then he, uh, then he absconded a woman, let her go. Uh, then he absconded a woman, did let her go. And and the, and, you know, and, and it just and the next thing you know, you're you're ra literally raping and pillaging. And uh, it was a natural progression from him, and it didn't it didn't really seem like it was a bad thing because he had to have more. So maybe this kid's uh, uh, sees porn on every street corner. He participates in it. He, he, he idolizes it's part of what he does maybe he's frustrated i don't know he gets a no from her and he can't help himself screws up then he covers up his crime whatever else it is and then maybe he never would have come forward i mean i would i would think that if i had done something like that because i let an urge or something get out of control that i would probably feel awful about it at some point and i probably would leave now for him to stick around and the only reason that that we're aware of at this point um, that he's come forward is because uh, uh, there was some video that a neighbor had of his vehicle driving by in close proximity or in timeline or when yeah. Molly Walk came by. Man, that's that's a needle in the haystack, man. Yeah. We're basically saying without that, may have never been caught unless he got drunk and told somebody because sometimes that's how they get pinched 20 years later. Yeah. And so uh, maybe the guy's not quite right. I, I mean, I don't know, but we're not talking about the fact that that's I listened to a podcast from, no, I'm wrong. It was FaithWorks Live. It's 99.3 downtown Des Moines. They have, they broadcast out on, I think it's 4 o'clock in the afternoons, live. And they also do it through Facebook. 
and the pastor Michael Damascus was on there and he was talking about I don't remember the statistics but it was it was absolutely mind-boggling that young boys in our society have been exposed to hardcore porn like at a very young age I'm talking like eight or nine years old because I'm thinking to myself I remember when I was a little kid and I stumbled across the Playboy magazine for the first time man I thought that was pretty neat you know <laughs> and uh, and the, it's you see so much stuff at such a younger age before you can make heads or tails of it how come we're not talking about stuff like that because I think those things I know that we're going down the rabbit hole a little bit but I think that those things influence our culture dramatically and we're turning a completely blind eye to him. Yeah, but the only person you really hear mention that is Jordan Peterson. He'll bring some of that stuff up about, really? like, with that. Yeah, I, I have to listen to more of his stuff. Yeah, um, he's brought that up in a few different things. Uh, some of the talks he had, he brought uh, some of that uh, topics up. Um, I think you're talking about with, uh, you know, people not being aware of their situations and the other causes that, you know, could have been why this guy, uh, you know, uh, killed Molly. It's, it's so interesting. You ever read the book Persuasion by Robert Caldini? Nope. It's really interesting. He's one of the best, uh, probably guys. He calls it persuasion because if you want to get somebody to do something, it's how you got to get that and then the right mindset. That's mm -hmm. so much easier to get them to do it. Be advertising or political campaigns or just getting your kids to do something or your you know your spouse or whoever. Uh, he's great. Um, actually, uh, Obama used him. During his uh, election campaigns, to get the right, you know, try to get the mentality for people. I think I understand way. what you're saying, but I don't know if I'm following. So you break it down for me. The premise is what? It gets you to uh, be in the right mindset. So you ask questions a certain way. Way you frame questions okay. is a huge thing. Like, so if you were asked someone, like the big difference between, you know, if we're talking about some situation, like, uh, like your marriage. If I asked you, are you happy with your marriage? Or if I asked you. Are you unhappy in your marriage? It just sends you comp that right, right. there. Sends okay. you because it puts you in the mindset. And it, it's a lot deeper, but that's the very basics. So you're of trying it. to elicit an outcome by patterning what you say yeah. to, to, and asking questions so you kind of lay a foundation for yep. what you hope to extract. Yep. Okay. And so much of what is focal for you gets all the attention. So when Molly gets, you know, killed by this uh, guy who's here, you know, illegally, all the focus goes to the illegal thing. That's the whole focus. Right. And, nothing else and he goes through so many situations not the one I think is a book's few years old but just so many situations in the world where how you just get whatever people focus on is just everything gets forgotten forgotten about it's just the focal point the focal point on there and then talks he goes into the media he goes the media doesn't tell you what to think but it tells you what to think about yeah. and it goes this whole thing it's a fascinating book if anybody's interested in like the whole mindset things it's fascinating uh, uh, during the last election Trump was destroying Hillary on the persuasion front. The way he would sit there and uh, put some things out would really get people um, thinking certain ways. And uh, Hillary was being completely off base with some of the tactics she was using. Sure. So Scott Adams, um, who's done a lot of studying about persuasion and all this stuff, and okay. he became he predicted Trump would win because he noticed these persuasion tactics the Trump campaign was using. And that Hillary wasn't using, and then uh, maybe about eight months or so before the election, he noticed a change in everything Hillary's campaign was doing—the wording and all this stuff—and he, at that point, goes, "She's hired Robert Caldini. She's she's hired him. It's clear by the you know things, uh, the wording and all yeah. that." 
And so, so much is fascinating because you'll see this stuff with all these things about uh, the immigration thing here because all the other stuff you're talking about is it gets pushed off the side because all whatever you focus on, you only hear immigration and that's all everybody focuses on. So any of these other possible factors that could be issues that society could look at, you know, be safety or, you know, cultural shifts and what people are, you know, taking in are getting completely overlooked. We, you know, it's interesting you say it like that. It kind of, it kind of illuminates something for me that I haven't really thought about quite like that before. We, we, you're right. We, we, most people in my camp, because I, I tend to be pretty conservative about most things like this. Most people in my camp hear the word illegal alien, and then they just stay with that because they've heard, like you said, they've heard the word illegal. I guess I never really thought about it on that on that level. But which is more illegal, uh, being in the country or murdering somebody? Well, they're both illegal, no more, no less. But we're not talking about uh, illegal killing aliens. We're talking about illegal aliens. And most people, as you know, are moving their narrative away from that by by not saying illegal alien. Some are saying an illegal immigrant. Yeah. To me, that's a slap in the face. I tell you what, if I was an immigrant in this country, I would puke every time I heard that. Oh, yeah. I would absolutely be livid because there are people who have worked hard to do this thing legally and have paid through the nose and, and suffered time, blood, sweat, and tears to get here, and they're building a life, and they're doing it legal, and they're doing it proper. They've raised their hands. They've become U.S. citizens or working on it to get their citizenship, and these guys roll up here. And, and destroy everything that they're working for in premise and honor. Uh, they disrespect the whole thing. So anyway, I mean, so now illegal immigrant, either that or non-documented immigrant. Yeah. I'm like, that's just a huge narrative shift. That's your that's your mainstream media for it. That's yeah. what they do uh, as put in place by liberals and Democrats that think that that's the way that it ought to be said because it's a ch- kinder, gentler way of saying these people had not to be here because they're breaking the damn law. Yeah. This is a sovereign nation, and nowhere on earth do you just enter into another nation for fun and profit and at work. Nobody allows it. Yeah. Nobody. So I, I don't know why the, the people think that we are. Probably because these people have never traveled outside of the United States. Yeah. Most people that I talk to about this stuff have never been out of their own their own out of their own broom closet. They've never actually seen the other cultures that you and I talked about earlier in terms of multiculturalism. They've never seen that actively practiced. They don't have any idea what it's like. They've never been to, they've never walked the streets in, in uh, uh, London they, and wh- where everybody there is assuming that they're going to be mugged at some point because it's a statistical 100%. Uh, and that's in a civilized nation full of laws, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Now go to South America and uh, or go to Central America and all these vacation spots that are supposed to be so great in Mexico, whatever else. Go three blocks off the beaten path and see how it works for you. Yeah, especially right now in Mexico. They're telling you to you stay in your resort area. It's right. not safe. In Cancun recently, I think it was last week, you know, they found like 15 people have been executed. Right. It wasn't like tourists. You know, it's drug cartel turf right. wars. But that doesn't mean you can't catch a stray bullet, you know, somewhere, you know, or, you know, just be the wrong place, wrong yeah. time. I go to Canada fishing every year, and one of the guys I go with, uh, he uh, and his wife, they go somewhere a little bit south of Cancun. I can't remember the place, but it's on the advisory place where you're not supposed to go to if you're American right now and him and his wife been going for years and they know it's they're told it's not safe but they say screw it you know we they still go and he was telling us a story back in june that they were when they were down there uh during last winter uh that uh one of the bars they used to go to was closed and they asked one of the local guys they know what had happened uh, why is that bar not there anymore well uh a bunch of cartel guys 
uh, went in there one day. There's like 15 of them, and they're in there drinking and partying, and uh, they left without paying their tab, you know. And so a few of the uh, workers in there, when there's only three of them left, they went up and confronted these um, cartel guys and said, you got to pay this. And they go, we're not paying their stuff, you know. The, you know, That's their problem. We're not paying it. So these guys did something really stupid. They jumped these cartel guys, just beat the shit out of them. Well, you probably guess what happens next. Dude. The cartel guys leave, come back with the rest of the crew. They go in there, and the guys that beat them up, jumped them, they executed every single one of them, killed them. So the bar's closed for a week, you know, because of these guys getting killed. Opens up a week later, first day it's open, here comes the cartel. They tell everybody in there to get out. They didn't kill any innocent people because, you know, they already killed the guys they wanted to. They torched the place. And so it's just, you know, you can't, yeah. you know, rebuild it there yeah. because it's just going to keep going. And that's just, you know, that's in a vacation area down there. It's, you got to be careful. I mean, there's some places that are freaking really, really nasty, even and the places people yeah. are going down to, you know, take yeah. a week vacation with and the then, wife. And that, and that, yeah, and that happened a block or a block and a half uh, from a bunch of American tourists walking around there with a Corona in one hand and a, a drink with a little uh, umbrella in the other hand. Yeah. And then and so it goes back to we don't have any idea what the hell we're talking about yeah. when we talk about all the cultures or where these other places on earth because I'm telling you, most of these people have never traveled. They've never seen how the other half lives. They've never even. They don't even have a concept of of what it means when somebody says walk a mile in my shoes. That's not what they do. Yeah. But they will tell you that that's what they they are espousing for when they want you to be kinder and gentler and accepting. Well, that's not really what they want. They want you to be kinder and gentler and accepting to what they want, but piss on everybody else. Yep. So who's the bigot now? Yeah. And their guy was telling me that he went down there this summer, and the guy that was like their, I don't, you guess, kind of butler um, at the place they stayed at, they you know, kind of became friends with them after being down there for a week and we're talking to him. They go, so what do you do for fun? The guy goes, nothing. He goes, it's not safe. I come here to work. I go home. Yeah. And I mind my own business. And, you know, the cartel guys know who I am. They know I'm just, you know, just doing this stuff. And they leave me alone. He goes, I've been approached, you know, about doing recruiting for him before. And, you know, I said, all due respect. I can't do that. You know, just I have respect for you. But I, can't, I that's not for me. You know, and he goes, luckily, they let me slide because I go to work here at the resort and I go home that's yeah. my life I have I don't go anywhere I mean that's just crazy that guy's existence it's horrible well I, I don't know how you circle back to Molly Tibbetts other than to really say I don't think that we're having the proper takeaways from what we've seen and what we've experienced and we're yeah. getting hung up on, on the wrong things yes there's bigotry in the world yes there's racist racism in the world uh, yes, we need a wall. Yes, we need uh, we need secure borders. I mean, we need all those things. But I'm telling you, I don't I don't know how that that's going to equate properly to to my daughter when she grows up or my son. So I have a duty as a father to train them up in the ways they ought to go. You know what I'm saying? That's written somewhere, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I'm concentrating on a few of those other things worst, or first, rather. My wife and I enrolled my daughter in a taekwondo class uh, the day of, of this information coming out about uh, Molly's uh, accused killer and that kind of thing. So, And it isn't that I think that she's going to, you know, how many times have you heard a buddy say that 
they they really kick somebody's ass in a street fight with taekwondo never <laughs> yeah. but the mindset's going to be there so that we can build on other things like the discipline and the the understanding and times when you're supposed to be passive versus times yeah. when you're not you know that kind of stuff i mean i had my daughter uh in front of a, a principal and it's been uh, about a year ago i've never been more proud of her than i was at that moment and i and it'll be very hard i know this is a big statement but it might be very hard for her to ever say anything that's quite like this the rest of my life she was in front of a principal and we were there was some some mention was made with fighting and he said oh caitlin we don't fight do we and she's like well no we're not supposed to and he's and he basically wanted to say oh it's never okay to fight and i said is that true caitlin she's like no <laughs> i said when's it okay to fight are there any times it's okay to fight she says well yeah and i said when she's like she's like we have to fight for ourselves if uh if we absolutely have to and there's nothing else we can do i said that's right any other times and she this is what made me proud she said we have to fight for people who can't fight for themselves and so the principal, he's standing there, he's kind of gulping. You know, he, he wasn't prepared for that. Whenever, he wasn't sure to respond to it. He knew who I was and what I'm about. So I don't think that he really wanted to enter into the argument right there in the hallway of the school that we were at. We were, it was some volleyball tournament. And he's a nice guy. I've known him before. I don't know him well, I mean. But anyway, uh, he's like, well, okay, you know, that's, that's good. And off he went, you know. But I was supremely glad that my daughter knew that, that the, the discussions that we've had have, had some small impact if she if that stays with her the rest of her born days then that'll probably be really good um but i don't know man yeah. and and i don't want anybody to misunderstand i'm not criticizing molly tibbetts or her family or anything for what skills she did or didn't have what skills she did or didn't employ i'm i'm not making a criticism of the dead that's not what yeah. i'm saying what i am saying is is i would believe that you honor her better uh, by considering those things so you're less likely to be a victim. Yeah, learning from it. I think that that's legit. I really do. So, I mean, if you want to if you want to put yourself in a position less likely to be a victim, you need to think through that stuff. And I would be willing to bet that, uh, while I wouldn't speak for them, I, I, I think the Tibbetts family would probably agree with that. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, people that are, you know, friends of both of ours, you know, they're uh, women, I know it's like I saw on Facebook some of them signing up, you know, for some self defense things. Yeah. And I know, you know, some have gone out, you know, or getting the permit to carry, you know, and yeah. learning, you know, that kind of uh, stuff. Uh, like, you know, like we both know, like, you know, uh, female realtors. I mean, that could be dangerous. You know, yeah. you're going out, you're showing some person you don't really know, yep. you know, a, pl a house out in the freaking middle of yep. nowhere, you know, and that, you know, somewhere. I so always worry about that. Yeah. I mean, people call up, you meet somebody in an obscure location inside with the doors closed where you're not familiar with it. I always worry about realtors in situations like that. I, uh, and I'll admit that human trafficking and some of these th and some of these rapes, that kind of stuff, I, I recognize that they are not the percentage that we sometimes feel like we're wowed by when we see and we think that it's this systemic monster problem. This is where my wife would probably slap me in the back of the head. So I'm not, but please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to de-emphasize what it is because it's absolutely heinous and it does exist. And it's not going away, it's getting worse. We can, we can say that definitively. Um, there's more trafficking than there was yesterday. There are more rapes today than there were yesterday. We know that. I'm just saying, I believe that if you're going to have a good defense, you probably need to worry about what's going to happen to you 80 or 90% of the time. Yeah. And I want to concentrate on that first. And then basically what I'm, what I'm getting at is the mindset has to be there. Whether it's uh, when you talked about self-defense or carrying, if you're not prepared to take somebody's life, 
if you're not prepared to kill them, if you're not prepared to shoot them in the face yeah. in order to spare yourself, then at the end of the day, uh, you're not ready to carry a gun yet. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't discourage somebody from getting their permit and moving in that direction at all. What I'm saying is is the, the mindset precedes that. It's no different than this is out on the football field. You have to be ready to go play that game. You have to be ready for those eventual outcomes, and you think through those things, and then you practice in order to get better at what you're trying to do. It's no different carrying a gun or self-defense or the method in which you, you uh, to go to your car. If you go to your car and you click the button, quink, quink, and you, the first thing you do is put your head down and open the door, you're fried. Because when you do that, they've made the last 30 yards because they were clear out of eye shot, they were clear out of, out of your zone. You did that, you took, your, you took your eyeballs off of what was going on around you, and you put your head down in the car to put your bags of your kid in, they close the gap then. Yeah. What you do is you hit the car line, quink, quink, and then you act like you're going to go, and you lift your head up and you look around with your head on the swivel. That's when you catch them. That's when you make eyeball contact. That's when they stop and they say, this one's not a good victim. This one's not one that's going to come willingly. Uh, I'm busted. I'm going to go somewhere else. You have to think like that. It's not wrong. It's not an issue of paranoia. It's an area of preparedness yeah. and thinking through it. That's all. Yeah. It's just something so simple like that. I know. And why do I, Those are the things that I want us to eventually get to. There is natural mourning and outrage and, and discomfort and all the things that are associated with somebody like Molly Tibbetts being snatched up, stabbed to death, and thrown in a cornfield, dude. That's about as bad as it possibly gets. I get that. Now, what are we going to do to resist situations like that in the future? That's what we should be doing. We should be talking about. And resistance comes with the things that we can do as individuals, and the resistance also comes with proper laws that that help us as citizens. Because really, what's government supposed to do at their core level? They're supposed to give us some semblance of protection, and they're supposed to help us get justice when we weren't able to be able to do it for ourselves. And I question whether they're doing any of that in a case like this. Yeah. Show me how the hell she's going to get justice. You're going to squeeze blood from her tournament and pay back her family? No. Is any? Is he here? Is uh, was he supposed to be? No. You go right down through the. You go down right down to the list. Here's the other thing about it. You want to talk about adding insult to injury? Injury. Let's say that he did this. Let's say that he's found guilty. Then what? You get to pay for it. Three hots and a cot the rest of his life. Yep. Show me the justice in that. So now I'm burdened with paying for him. Or I may not have been before. I get to pay for that? <laughs> for the rest of his born days? The cost of incarcerating somebody is not inexpensive. Oh. There's no justice here whatsoever. I mean, I hate saying this and making my lawyer friend right because he's he's become he's come from somebody that I was really happy to know and be good friends with for a number of years to somebody who's really and he's a he's a bummer he's a downer <laughs> i mean and so i don't like making him right when i say this but he's right i mean in situations like this i don't know how there is justice huh. not here not with no. man's law god's law will have it i guarantee you that yeah that's one of them you will not escape that's a universal or irrefutable truth uh, but you're not going to get justice from man's law no not in that scale deal well, that's we kind of covered a quite a variety of issues. <laughs> Where are we here. at? Where are we minutes are? I we? don't know. Uh, the goal was six minutes. Did we? Did we blow it? An hour and uh, nineteen minutes. Well, that's a little bit over six. Yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, we'll do some more of these going forward as uh, you know, just different topics come up. I got a list of different things uh, jotted down that we can talk about, which would be funny because a lot of uh, some people that don't 
know that Mike and I really know each other. It's funny because we've had some like back and forth on Facebook where we're on different sides of the you know topics on there, and I'll get messages from people going, "You two really hate each other." Going, no, no we're just like discussing this. It's not like going. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, "This guy's freaking stupid," and he's not sitting there sitting on there and saying, "What an idiot! I can't believe he thinks this." It's just like completely civil. Like we're sitting there talking about these things. It's not like either of us have our blood pressure going up thinking about it's more of like going okay what about this you know this this and this and it's fun like i enjoy it but people sit there and say or i'll see people at different places they go boy you and where going yeah and they go you guys don't like each other going no that's not the gauge we like each other it's like we can just have these discussions on different things i enjoy about yeah it's fun it's it's so much better than the other way of sitting there saying you don't agree with me about you know this aspect of blah 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 so you're freaking stupid you know, and it's pointing and they go, well, you're, you know, that gets nowhere. That gets it's, nowhere. It, this, this stuff is fun for me, and it's also healthy for me because I, t- I have been a guy in the past. Well, I continue to be. I want to break the habit. But I, uh, I'm compelled to name call. I'm compelled to get miffed and become reactionary and walk away from something. And, and I know that that's wrong. And I've really been big time about that earlier in my life. And I'm trying, dude. <laughs> Not always successfully. But I'm trying to trend away from that where it's where I uh, don't default to being reactionary. And if somebody's acting like an idiot, I already know they're acting like an idiot. I don't need to probably need to say it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's fun because you and I have what I, I don't know if you would call them practice conversations. But uh, conversations where uh, the premise is laid between I, you and I that there's a mutual respect. And there's a heck of a lot of things we do agree on. Yeah. Uh, probably probably better than half. Yeah. Well better than half. But but the, the premise is laid that I'm taking you for your for face value and you're offering me your thoughts as, as you understand them. And then so am I. So it's kind of like... Uh, Okay, Sir Isaac Newton uh, wrote in the. In, are you familiar with the Principia principles? Okay, okay. and uh, that it was his famous work, or yeah. one of his famous works. So in the beginning of this thing, in Latin, he writes. Uh, uh, I don't even remember the Latin, but I, he wrote it, and and uh, it basically says, "I feign no hypotheses." And essentially, what he's saying is, I'm not claiming that my model of this is the model of the world. I'm claiming that this is the model as I understand it. And those are two very different yeah. things. Okay, so he's not saying that this is the only way that mathematics works and this is the only way that it's ever going to work forever. And this is the founding mathematical principles in which the rest of the world is always going to operate. He's saying, this is it as I understand it. There you go. Yeah. And so and so when you and I approach what we do, uh, agreeing and believing that you're giving this to me the way you understand it, and I'm doing the same thing in kind then uh, these things work a heck of a lot better. Yeah. And I'm it's honest to goodness, it's too bad some other people can't see that. Yeah. Nobody get, you know, people engage in these things, you know, talking about things, you know, we've mentioned on here today that, you know, think a little bit more about the different aspects of it, and especially other topics. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head now, but I got like probably 10 or 15 things, you know, jotted down that are various topics. Some are things you see, you know, from Facebook that either we've talked about or you see, uh, you know, other people getting in, uh, you know, some discussions on yeah. there. And sometimes you'll see some little threads go, you know, forever on there. And uh, nobody's ever really changed Charles' mind, I don't think, ever on any of them. But, uh, it's you know, rare, man. Yeah. It's very rare. And, but some of, the, some of those times it's not a real discussion by, de- you know, discussing things. It's more of just like it just goes downhill, whereas opposed to, you know, an open discussion of how yeah. to improve, you know, 
improve things. But Well, the other thing that you'll note, and then we can wrap up. I don't mean to extend it out too long. But a lot of it boils down to our ability to communicate. And so some of it is a communicate effectively. And effectively, you really have to define as um, thoroughly and properly. Because Twitter is, low, or what is it, 120 characters? I think so now. Okay. So you have 120 characters, including spaces, yes? Yeah. Okay. In which you can say something. What the hell's worth saying in 120 characters? It probably has any value. Yeah. Okay. So you, unless it's happy birthday or congratulations on the win or whatever. Is that pretty much? Yeah. That, okay. So I question whether it's that great. So on Facebook, uh, we've devolved to the point where, where you could write as much as you'd like. Um, we don't do it that well. We are making quick quips and zipping on down the road, or we're making a quick quip uh, in order to elicit a negative uh, or provoke a response from somebody else. But it's about provocation. It isn't about explaining. Um, with bona fides, if you will, why we think what we think, and the and the justification or the credit thereof. You know what I mean? We're not we're not writing a, a paper in college and citing our sources anymore. We're not doing that. We're not saying I believe this, and these are the things which led me to this belief, and this is this sustains my belief. Consider that we're not yeah, doing that. No. And so Facebook discussions and Twitter, whatever. What the hell are you ever going to accomplish there? No. <laughs> and I'm not saying that I don't do those things because I do. Yeah. But, uh, or, or do social media, but it's very hard to communicate effectively. It really is. Yeah. You think about Thomas Jefferson and, and uh, uh, Adams, okay? Not particularly the same camp very often politically, okay? And what do they do? Uh, they were at war pretty hard with one another in public and sometimes in private. And they both retired and went to their farms and went, went back to what they did. And what did they do? They spent several years at the end of their lives uh, writing a letter uh, that was pages and pages long that had value and content and sending it. And it would take weeks or whatever to get there. This person, the other person would digest it. They would think about a response for that and send it back. So the communications weren't zip, 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 quick, 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 quick. You're a shithead. No, you're a bigger yeah. shithead. No, you're, you're a bigot because you called me a shithead. It's not like yeah. that. These guys took the time to extrapolate things that they believed were true, back it up, and send it to one another, and then have the courtesy to wait. Yeah. Okay, so then the other person considered it and volleyed it back. Maybe that exchange took a couple months for a circle to be, to come, or, or for it to come full circle. We, we can't even fathom acting like no. that. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that way nowadays. No. Anywho. All right, well, that'll wrap us up for today, and, uh, we will uh, do some more here soon and send some more stuff out.